0: And good afternoon as always on this fine Thursday afternoon, welcome to uh, Daring Live again. I um, hope everybody's doing well, staying safe out there and uh, enjoying well. We've got sunshine here, I don't know about everybody else, but uh, certainly it's a beautiful day here in, in San Diego. Uh, with me as always is David Bandrowski, all the way from Buenos Aires. David. Hey there, great to see yeah. you. <laughs> and uh, we're going to introduce our guest shortly. Before I do... I have an obligation as a parent to wish my son, Mr. John John, happy birthday. Happy tenth birthday, sunshine. Love you, buddy. Happy birthday, and we'll see you later on tonight. There you go. Happy birthday. Pretty good. I promised him I'd give him a shout out, so there we go. All right. So let's talk about uh, our, our guest today. And if you haven't heard uh, this wonderful young lady, then be sure to pay attention. Nora Brown is is Nora. You're fifteen years old. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. That is correct. I I wasn't sure whether that had changed in the last couple of months, but um, 15 years old and plays old time banjo with an incredible feel. Uh, She started learning music at the age of six, specializing in old time and traditional banjo music. Uh, And she plays with a level of confidence that, quite frankly, is rarely found in in most adults, Um, all the while weaving together stories of music history into her performances to create a beautifully rich tapestry for her audience. She's played numerous uh, venues across the East Coast, has been featured on NPR's very, very cool Tiny Desk Concert Series, uh, and uh, TED Talks as well. I would like to introduce everybody to the wonderful Nora Brown. How are you doing, Nora?
1: Hey, I'm doing good. How are you?
0: Very well, very well. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is uh, fantastic to have you here, Um, and as is kind of traditional at the top of the show we'd love to uh have you play a song to get us kicked off for the uh for the afternoon um and hope everybody at home can uh, hang out and enjoy the music
1: all right awesome um great i'm so excited to be here doing this live uh yeah well i say live because it's really fun to do thing it's been interesting because like in corn quor- like during this time, during quarantine and during COVID, there's been a lot of like online shows, obviously, but then there's also pre-recorded things and live shows. So like doing stuff live is more fun, more exciting. So I love when I get a chance to, um, play in real time. So, okay. Anyways, here's a little, little bird. Uh, sorry. Go what? for it.
0: Go for it. The floor right, is right. yours.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's a little birdie, um, a little, little birdie. And I got this from uh, Roscoe Halcombe, amazing banjo player and singer. I'm sure we all have heard of from Daisy, Kentucky. And all right, yeah, do my best.
2: make sure head
1: loud sound i don't know what you would have thought it was but it is a what that sound was was an elevated train that goes right directly by my house so you might hear that through throughout this um event uh it goes by around like every seven minutes but hopefully it wasn't too disrupting
3: yeah (laughs) Yeah. i really i like it It gives us the field of like an old vintage field recording sort of aesthetic going on
1: yeah (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Um, Can you
3: close the window? Thank you. Cool. Well thanks not for you, doing not this. You. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for being here. It's really great to have you. I'm, I'm a big fan of your music. And uh,
2: thank you so much.
3: I'd love to know, you know, you grew you grew up in New York City, correct?
2: Mm-hmm. Brooklyn, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So how'd you get so interested in old time at such a young age at in living in living in, you know, New York City area?
1: um okay I don't know what that was um well yeah I I wouldn't even it's 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 I would almost say by accident really because um kind of a friend of a friend recommended this man named Shlomo Pesco well I I I think you mentioned earlier I'd started playing ukulele when I was six um and my parents were looking for a teacher friend of a friend recommended this guy named Shlomo Pesco um Shalomo has since passed away, but he was my first teacher. I, I learned a lot of really, he, he only taught old time music. So when I, that was, you know, not, not this close to my parents. when was when they were like, Oh, who's the teacher. And you know, they were like, Oh, this guy's great. Teaches. I don't know exactly how the interaction went, but my point is that it wasn't like we were intentionally searching out an old time music teacher, or I had asked to learn old time music or there was some type of interest. Um, or, like, yeah, I mean, there is interest. Now there is, but you, you understand what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I ended up learning from this man named Shlomo Pesco, and I like to say that, well, he would tell me um, that everything after the 1950s was pop music, basically. That was his kind of mentality. Um, and, yeah, for example, I um, we, we would do these recitals, like often happens with uh, teachers and their students, young students. And um, I remember I wanted to play uh, a Dave Rawlings song called Sweet Tooth. Maybe you've heard mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Um, yeah,
4: definitely.
1: And I was like, can, can we please play the song? My teacher was like, oh, no, like opp- completely opposed to it. Um, this is actually an interesting story because then he was like, you're going to get copyrighted for that. Playing at our uh, at the Jalopy Theater, a small venue in Red Hook, like you know, you never know what's going to happen. Someone might report me to the authorities. Get uh, get sued for that. But um, so then I was like, okay. And then let me ask Dave and Gillian myself. And I wrote them a letter actually asking if I could play Sweet Tooth at our little Hoot Nanny. Um, and they replied actually saying, <laughs> wow. "Yes, you can play that song." Play it anytime you want. Um, So, yeah, I hope that kind of starts to make sense. But, like, uh, what I'm trying to say is, like, I I really, even learning from Shlomo at six and throughout the years that I was a student, I really didn't know what we were playing. I mean, it just, it was music to me. It was not, like, I didn't realize how special and unique it was to be learning uh, old-time traditional music in Brooklyn, in the city, um, so far away from where origins of the music um so yeah and I mean that's kind of how uh that had that happened there wasn't like a direct interest in the music initially but um and that way that's you know that the interest comes kind of naturally to me because I I didn't uh that wasn't the reason for my learning of it if that makes sense but yeah
3: yeah yeah it just this is this kind of lucky chance thing that that happened yeah uh, what kind of made you what what hooked you that you so you weren't just like oh this guy wants me to play these old tunes and and then you just go your separate ways what kind of hooked you and made you follow through
1: um i would not even say i got hooked on anything i mean it was really more just like i I didn't even know there were old tunes i just thought it was ukulele music i just thought it was you know this is what we're doing i had no clue that I I didn't really six and not really thinking about genres. I didn't really, you know, Mm. I didn't divide music like that. Um, which I think is a a cool thing. And most people should do that at all ages, but, um, yeah, I mean, I would say that when you start playing something or start doing something at a young age, sometimes it just kind of, Um, builds up and you just continue with it and without like much thought I don't know Uh, but yeah I would say some things that keep me some reasons why I really love old time music why I continue to play the banjo and love this kind of stuff is probably like um, well for one the unique like People like to call it the folk process, but I, I, I think, yeah, and that, that's a, that's the term for it. But the idea that as music is played and as music is taught to other people, it can change slightly in ways that are purposeful or not purposeful, um, and that's something that really uh, interests me because it's like a lot of times people playing old time music are not writing music. It's, I mean, people do, but it's more about like carrying on traditions and learning stuff from old players. Right. But I mean, obviously there are people writing music, but I think that like the idea behind like playing traditional music is kind of like the um, act of creating your own sound through the process of emulation and like of, you know, listening to someone's version of a song, you learn that and then you kind of change it to a way that you would like it. And then you pass that on and you know, the process continues. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. That, yeah, that it does.
3: And that kind of leads into something I want to talk about too, is like because you kind of just answered it, is about people playing traditional music, doesn't matter any form of traditional music. So a lot of times there's people who want to play it just like the record, these old records, and 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 then um then there's people that want to put themselves into it. Usually the and with you, I noticed that you really put yourself into it. And and just like you talked about the folk process of honoring the tradition and, and just moving it forward, um, you know, with your own kind of flavor. How important yeah. do you think that is for music for musicians to, to do that? You know, I think it's style? extremely
1: important. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. Yeah.
4: No.
1: Okay. Was, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's very, very important. I, um, I've learned from a lot of different people, um, who grew up with the music and who play the music from their own region. Uh for example, my friend Mac Trainum who uh lives in Floyd, Virginia and he he teaches me. I haven't taken lessons from him in a while, but uh I used to pretty regularly and Mac taught me a lot of stuff that's specifically from like um God, I can't think. Okay, never mind. Uh specifically from that Floyd, Virginia area and that kind of general I, I want to say like East, West, something Virginia. I, I, I don't want to mess it up. So from that area. So that includes artists like Wade Ward um, and other banjoists from that area. Well, what I'm trying to say is that Mac, his teaching style um, is very much like uh, learn the song exactly how I'm playing it or learn the song exactly how this artist played it on the recording and make sure that's established within your playing and then kind of go off and make it your own. But it's very important to first have that really, um, uh, deep establishment of the like traditional way of playing the song, not saying that it wouldn't be traditional if you changed it a little bit or whatever. But, um, so I think, and then, then on the other end, I've, uh, Uh, visited with George Gibson a number of times and George has a different approach to teaching. And a lot of times we'll be like, yeah, that's about it. You got it. Or, you know, do what you want. You can change it like that. That sounds good. It's kind of like that kind of vibe to it. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways and different, um, I think that the idea is all the same behind most people who are passing on music, but, um, I think the importance of um, playing uh, very traditionally changes depending on the person. And I think that learning from all different like uh, teaching styles around this topic is like very helpful and was very beneficial to me um, as a musician, because it really allowed me to kind of um, just build my own ideas around how I, and I, I actually teach music now. I teach banjo to a, a couple of students and I, it helped me understand how I teach and helped me kind of see, like uh, understand how far I'm going to separate from tradition when I'm learning songs, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I kind of forgot your question. I went on a little bit.
3: But... You know, that's, that's fantastic. And it's interesting that you are teaching now. How do you... What is what is some of your teaching method? Do you teach mostly by ear? Do you do you also use tab? Do you, and and and, and, I don't and use tab how no. do you get them? How do you get them re- really interested? Do you play records for for your students? Things like that.
1: Yeah, um, I don't use tab. A lot of times, people ask me for tab, and I'm always like, no. Actually, some nice person <laughs> sent me an email that wrote out a couple of the songs I play in tablature. So that was cool thanks person. I forget your name, but, um, I don't really, I I teach mostly by ear. Um, and obviously I I really started teaching, um, one-on-one lessons during COVID. So it's been all through, um, you know, zoom and stuff like that. So it's by ear, but a lot of times I'll share a recording or I'll share, depending on the song I'm teaching. Sometimes I have recordings of my own that I've taken, um, or from, you know, Maybe I have a video of me learning something from someone or maybe it's a direct video of somebody playing a song or it's something I found on YouTube or it's a LP. I don't know. Anything like that. And I think that, you know, incorporating some kind of multimedia aspects keeps people interested and helps like, especially for people who, who are new to old time music, it helps kind of develop their ideas around, you know, what this actually is and, you know, just kind of helps integrate people into the community. And I think that's um, a really important thing to do.
2: Yeah.
3: And when you have students that are struggling with maybe a, a specific technique, technical thing, or struggling hearing, sometimes struggling hearing melodies, um, because they just haven't used their ear that way, and um, they're getting frustrated, how do you kind of get them over that hump of that, that you know, that's, that point where they're just kind of getting frustrated and, and um, saying, I don't want to almost do this anymore?
1: Do you, have you run into that? Yeah, I mean... I guess it definitely depends on whatever we're learning but for example if we we're learning a certain new style it's like say i was teaching an up picking song which um for those who don't know like an up picking song is kind of the picking style uh is where you use your index finger pluck up on the string um there's some variations some people hold their hand like that um, the song i just played was up picking actually um so it's that up pick strum down and then a Fifth string sometimes, not always. Um, and for the way I taught a a picking song recently, actually was by first, uh, plucking out the melody with a thumb or with one of your fingers doesn't matter. And then slowly transitioning into using the style. That's like the way I usually teach like new styles, like two finger style or claw hammer, whatever the person already knows, try to use components of that to like, uh, help learn the new song and then kind of um, slowly move into the new style. So for little birdie, I was teaching this earlier. Um, we pick out the melody with a thumb and then you start to use your index upwards. So then that's slowly kind of getting you into uh, the new style. But um, a, a technique that I learned from, I can't quite name who, but I I think a lot of different people do this, but, and it's, maybe it's common knowledge, but when you sing along to a song, it doesn't have to be the words. It can just be the melody, just singing. Or even better, the words, little birdie. It helps you kind of learn the song a little bit easier. And I like to encourage my students to sing along with their playing. Although some don't like to do that, but, um, I think that that's one way that you can kind of, especially if you're having trouble with a certain part of the song, kind of letting yourself, uh, your body kind of, I don't know, your your singing kind of help connect you to the melody and then it's it's easier to figure it out. I don't know. But yeah, those are some of the techniques that I use. Cool. Yeah.
3: And when you're practicing, cause you're singing is fantastic. And when you're practicing your own singing, do you practice by playing the melody on the banjo and matching, matching the, matching the, you know, the, the, um, the tones of the banjo or do you just practice, do you separate the two and you practice singing and then you practice banjo and then kind of merge them together? No,
1: I'm definitely playing it together if I'm practicing a song. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Okay.
3: And then you have like a really good way of when you're, when you're playing of just kind of transporting the listener to another place. And that's kind of, especially in the style, um, in any, any, any music really, but, uh, you know, you're playing traditional tunes, but you can, you're very, you can see it in, in, in your, in in, in your face when you're playing that, what do you kind of, how do you get to that spot? As a musician, a lot of times you get distracted by various things. and It's hard to get into that spot where you can bring yourself to that other place and bring the listeners to that to kind of that magical spot of what you're trying to communicate. How do you kind of get in there? Is there anything you're thinking about when you're playing? Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that like one of the biggest problems I struggle with, and I think a lot of musicians also struggle with this um, is like thinking too much about what you're doing. And that, that is like my biggest obstacle. And it's what causes me to make mistakes in songs. So It's what causes me to just like get completely lost. Cause sometimes I'll be like playing a song I had known for a long time and play often. And then I'll be in the middle of the song and just stop because I forget what I'm supposed to do because I'm like, what the heck am I actually doing with my right hand? And then I'm like thinking about it too much and you know, that just throws it off track. But I think that like one of the most important things is when you're like, I, I don't like to look at my fingers that much. And maybe that's like, I don't know if that's like kind of avoiding my problems. I feel like it is, but I I mean if it's like a harder song or something where I have to go up the neck or have to watch out for frets, I'm going to be looking at my left hand here. Um, but when it's not as such a physically taxing situation, I try to kind of keep my eyes off my left hand. And I find that that helps me be able to kind of zone out a little bit easier and kind of focus more on my sound. Um, and I think that like you're saying, like, how do I get to that place? I guess where I'm just, you know, it's very focused and direct and you're saying it, it transports you to another place. And that's a huge compliment. Thank you so much. Um, and I think that, one of the ways that I try to do something like that is kind of like focusing on the feeling that my, like my fingers have when they touch the strings and just really um, kind of keep like, instead of like thinking about what am I going to do next with this finger? What am I going to do next? Or what part am I going to do next? Um, I try to just kind of focus on the sound. And a lot of times I'll lean down and kind of bring my ear to the, drum of the banjo because that's where I you know you can get the most sound over here obviously because this is where things are ringing and things are projecting um and that just allows me to kind of zone in a little bit more on what I'm doing and at the same time zone out and keep other thoughts out of my head I don't know if that makes sense but
2: I I think I'm trying
1: I'm trying to describe my process but
3: yeah And when you can feel the resonance of the instrument, sometimes it really helps you connect to the instrument and connect to what you're doing and lose those other, you know, daily thoughts that fly through your head at the same time. Do you want to play another tune for us?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Sure, sure, sure.
3: And what tuning were you using on Little Birdie and what tuning, if you, on your next tune, if it's a different tuning, can can you let us know?
1: Yeah, yeah, Let's see, what am I doing here? I just wanna make sure I get this right for y'all. So this is like what's commonly known as Little Birdie Tuning. I know a couple other tunes in this tuning, but um, not many. Uh, and that's an E on the fifth string, a C on the fourth string, a G on the third string, A on the second string, and a D on the first string. And so I think this is very similar to um, like a, a kind of a detuning. It's like with F sharps, though. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. If you play banjo, I hope you know what I'm talking about. But um, it's kind of you, you get songs like Jay Gould's Daughter or um, Trouble in Mind out of that area. I don't know if people know what I'm talking about. But I think I think of this song as fairly close to that area, except the fifth string is dropped and this string is a C. And that's a G okay. But I don't know That's the way I think about it okay. It's not that similar In yeah. reality But
3: Do you yeah. play a number of tunes In that tuning Or do you, do you mainly play Little Birdie And kind of that's it uh, In that tuning
1: Yeah I don't play That many other tunes there I, I know Rye Whiskey Is in that tuning But I'm um, not sure about other I'm sure there's something else But those are really yeah. The only two that I know Out of that right.
2: Ooh, fun! Spot out tune.
1: Sorry. Mix it, mix it, mix it, mix it. Let's, let's play this. Anyways, that's out of tune. So. so this is the tuning I was actually talking about. So this is great. So this is an F sharp, D, F sharp, A, D. Oh, um, you got like. Trouble. That's another Roscoe song. And speaking of Roscoe, this is actually a pretty cool banjo that I'm using right here. This is. Um. It does not belong to me. It's not my banjo. It's on its way to the Library of Congress. And if you've tuned into any of my shows during quarantine, during COVID, you've heard, this, uh, you've heard about this banjo. But um, this is a banjo that I am holding on to, as I said. So it goes to the Library of Congress. And I got this from my dear friend, John Cohen, who uh, recently passed away. John was a member of the New Lost City Ramblers. Ethnomusicologist, you know, artist, uh, musician, filmmaker, a lot of man of many artistic talents. Um, and this is this is John's banjo, but uh, the New Lost City Ramblers and and John and and also just John uh, would would tour around with Roscoe Halcombe, and um, this was a banjo that he would use a lot when he was touring and recording, playing shows, um, so that way he could travel lighter when coming up from kentucky i think that was probably one of the reasons but um so yeah i am i was supposed to have this for a year ago april for the folk festival that's when i was supposed to play it and here we are i still have it so yay um okay so i'm gonna play uh, This is more Roscoe populated than I thought it would be. But I'm going to play another Roscoe tune called Coal Creek March. Um, And it's a pretty common tune. You probably heard Pete Steele's version. That's the most common. Um, But, yeah, I got this from Eli Smith. Uh, That's where I heard it first and then. um, So, yeah, anyways, let's do a little bit of that.
3: Fantastic. Do you want to talk about the, what you're, the right-hand technique that you're doing and how it differed from from the technique you're, you, you on the, on the low birdie that you use?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So this is a little bit of thumb lead, two-finger, old-time two-finger style. Uh, I'll show you a little bit. Uh, by thumb lead, I mean that the thumb is kind of playing out the melody and the index is yeah okay thumb lead. um i thought i might have been doing index there uh so yeah so that means just the thumb is picking out the melody and the next finger is kind of mostly hanging out on the first string and second string and kind of providing kind of the qualities that the fifth string would if you're playing claw hammer or like the styles playing earlier up picking which is used the fifth string as a drone the fifth string is still used here but the thumb is using it i don't know um but that's that's how i would best describe it a lot of um, players use a style in the old time tradition, um, especially in Eastern Kentucky. You'll see a lot of two finger uh, stuff coming from over there. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I would say. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, last week we had, we had Bruce Molsky on. I asked him this question and I'd like to hear what your answer is. I asked him, what do you think, um, how would you describe what old time music is? And, or what does old time music mean to you sort of thing?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. Good question. I'd say that. um, I think old time music is very cool and unique for a couple of reasons. Firstly, well, I'm not, I'm not sure about this actually. Okay. Well, it's traditional music. So that means that it's, you know, obviously passed down from generations. That's what a tradition is, but, um, the origins of this tradition actually come from a lot of places spanning the globe, uh, and kind of meet, in the United States forming kind of what old time we kind of know today um the old time music that we know today um and that that that's from enslaved africans that's from um well i would say i mean old time music is dance music it is um it's social music it is it is meant for people to gather and to unite under and then the other thing is it's it's not really performing music either it's really meant to be played on somebody's front porch meant to be played for dances community music um uh sorry somebody just coughed um well yeah yeah okay wait i kind of lost my train of thought um so yeah so uh, like i said it's dance music um originally that's where you hear that fiddle and banjo duet provides that kind of rhythmic effect from the banjo and um, beautiful, beautiful sound from the fiddle. And I think that, I think I would be correct in saying that the fiddle came from, um, Ireland, I would believe, or Europe in general. I'm just going to go broad with this. Um, and the banjo uh, came from the African continent, but, um, there's been research and kind of tracking of the banjo and kind of finding its origins and its growth and where it really, came from. But, um, I think that the kind of that old time sound, although these instruments are coming from different places, they, they come to the United States. Uh, and I believe that it's really that, that, that dance music, that, um, that fiddle band duet, like I was saying, that is a very, um, African-American created sound. I believe I, I would say that, although that instrument is coming from Europe, it was, you know, it was here in America and that kind of, uh, the old time music that we know, oh gosh, this is really a lot of rambling. But um, anyways, my point is, is that, you know, it's, it's unique in that it's not stemming directly from the United States. It's coming from a lot of different places and that provides like such a diverseness to the sound. And although I would call it uh, American music in a way, it's not at all. Cause you're, you're hearing ballads and um, songs that are coming from like, medieval Europe and your your, you know there's there's a, so much to the broad term old time music that um is i think really special about this traditional music and that i think that not all traditional music has this element to it um and yeah that's what i would say is really something that is really important to me and i think is really amazing um and i mentioned it earlier but i'll just kind of restate it without going on as much, but like that, that folk process, I, for some reason, I don't like that term at all because I, maybe I just don't like the word folk, but I like the idea of, you know, music changing as it, and it grows and and the idea of expression through emulation. I believe I heard that phrase be said by Aaron Marshall on a podcast, but I really like that phrase compared to folk process. Expression through emulation. And I think that that is something that is really amazing about this music because it can be played on forever and things are always changing, but yeah.
3: When you run across, I'm sure a lot of people um, that you might run across that don't really know the music that well and you see you playing a banjo might say you're playing bluegrass or um, does that ever, where where do you kind of, where do you define, what do you tell them for somebody that doesn't really understand the difference between old time music and bluegrass? How do you kind of define that real generally for somebody?
1: Well, when somebody says to me, uh, accuses me of playing bluegrass music," I <laughs> usually don't say anything. I'm just like, "Yeah, whatever." But if, if it's somebody that I intend on educating, I mean, I feel like I would say that uh, well, I would say that, you know, um, old-time music is, is, is older than Bluegrass and is kind of the grandfather to that uh, style of music. I don't know. I I mean, there's a lot more like, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, these, they're two different, I can see there's a divide, but there also isn't. So they're, you know, they're very intertwined and I don't blame people for, um, calling what I do bluegrass because it's, you know, it's very close, but I think that in old time music, um, in my case, there's a lot, or in bluegrass music, there's a lot less solo banjo. There's a lot less, um, solo artists in general. I think, I think it's a lot more a full band or even just, mm. you know, duets, whatever. So I think that that's where you can see a little bit more clearly the difference between bluegrass and what I do. Um, but you know, old time is often played in full band settings too, but I think that there's also that component to it, that kind of, uh, Solo artist situation, which you don't see as much in bluegrass music. Um, And yeah, I mean, there's obviously very distinguished, there's distinguishing sounds when you hear something, you're like, oh, that's bluegrassy, but it's cool. I like it. I don't know. Or that's old timey. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, especially for the banjo, there's a lot of three finger, three finger picking, which I I don't really do that much. And finger picks too, which I also don't use. Um, But I think... There's also old-time three-finger picking, so, you know, it's hard to...
4: Right.
3: Do you use, um, do you use, uh, pick, do you use, yeah, not picks, but do you use, um, something to do you use, like acrylic nails, or do you, anything special do you do to your nails, or just your natural nails?
1: Natural nails, I probably should do something special to them. I, sometimes I put nail polish on my claw hammering nail, um, doesn't really do anything, but... If you, if, you, if you use gel, gel nail polish, then it can kind of not wear away at the nail. My nail is very damaged. This nail, this nail, well, wait. Oh, the mirror, the video is backwards. Okay. This,
4: <laughs> this,
1: this one uh, is definitely like, it's thinner and weirder than the rest of my nails. So it is good to use protection on your nails, but I don't.
3: Um, when you're playing claw hammer, do you use your middle finger or do you use your index finger more?
1: I'm ashamed to say that I use my index. No, sorry. Why I'm are, you to, I'm why are you ashamed to, ashamed to, say, to say that my middle finger? I, um, you know, people are like, that's not the authentic way to do it. And I agree. I can play with my index finger, it's just more comfortable for me to play with my middle because I've done it for longer. But, um, you know, that was definitely the rise of index banjo playing really came when kind of during like a little before the folk revival I think Pete Seeger probably I think he published some books on how to play the banjo stuff like that where it said use your middle and I think then that's when people kind of started doing that and I'm not sure if that's right but I've heard that before um yeah I'm ashamed to say I do use my middle finger it's embarrassing but it's true
2: I've just <laughs> I wouldn't worry
3: about it <laughs> we have we have a couple of questions in the chat too um, we have a question from James William Houghton he's wondering outside of banjo what music are you listening to and how does that feed back into your banjo playing
1: oh uh, that's a really great question <laughs> um I listen to a lot of very very much not old-time music um and I don't really know how it I don't know if it feeds back into my playing. I mean, that would be cool. I, I don't know. I listen to really all genres. Um, that's a good question. Let me think for a second. Um, sometimes um, that's not really a good example, but, but
3: what was you What were you just listening to? What, if you, you know, if you had a if recent, most recently, um, what were you, the, you might've been listening to that was in the, um, was not old
1: time. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> this always makes me embarrassed, but I, I don't know. I think I, I was uh, coming home from school today and I was listening to, um, uh, cool in the gang actually.
4: Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then I was, listening
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was listening to Aki Vermees too, who is, uh, uh, he, he's actually part of the band Lake Street Dive. Maybe you've heard of them. Yeah. Um, and he's the piano, the keys player and singer and the band. But he also does his own music, which I think is, um, which I really love. He fun fact: um, there's a venue that opened half a block from my house on on my same block, and he like he like plays there like on Mondays, which is crazy because that's just so crazy to me because he seems so famous and cool. But, um, so I've been able to go see his music live, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I I don't really know how stuff that like that feeds back into my playing. I think if I was writing my own music, that might be a little more clear because you can kind of, there's limited directions I can go within the tradition here. And especially like, with recording stuff. Like, I don't know, but if I was writing my own music, maybe you'd see that connection a little bit deeper. But yeah.
3: Have you messed around with writing your own music at all?
1: A little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm.
3: Is that Mm -hmm. something that direction you want to go in?
1: Uh, As of now? No, but um, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, maybe someday. Okay. I'm open to it.
3: And who are some musicians, you've mentioned Roscoe Holcomb a and Wade Ward and uh, who are some other main uh, musicians that have really influenced you?
1: Um, well, I would say like probably my biggest influence would be Virgil Anderson, uh, who is a player from Kentucky, Tennessee borderline. I like to say that because that's, that's his, the name of his album is the Tennessee on the Tennessee line. Um, uh, well, yeah, and Virgil, he's a amazing banjo player. Um, great singing. I love his singing a lot. Um, and he he was very influenced by blues musicians. And, uh, so you can definitely see that very clearly in his music. And that kind of relates to the question that somebody asked about how like, uh, other music I'm listening to is influencing my playing, which I addressed that already, but, um, you can clearly see influence uh, within Virgil's playing. And this is the record here on the Tennessee line. If you don't have it or have never heard Virgil's music, I, I highly, highly recommend it, especially if you're, you know, getting into old music or if you're you're into old music and don't have that album, you need to get it. Um, and you see a lot of bluesy, like, things that are thrown in that really provide, like, such a... Uh, really separate his music from other uh, banjo players from his time. Um, And yeah, uh, his singing is like often like very speaky. Like it sounds like he's kind of talking along to the song, which I think is really cool. Um, I think I could show you a little bit of what I'm talking about here. If, is that okay? Yeah. Okay. F sharp, D.
3: tuning are
1: you going to? So I'm going over here to F sharp dead. That's F sharp on the fifth string then D on the fourth, E on the third, A on the second and D on the first. So it spells dead. It's a good way to remember it. And this is the tuning that, you know, I play with the tune Wild Goose Chase some known as Lost Gander also. And this is one of like, it's a tune Virgil plays that people probably might recognize. Um, but I think this is a really uh, good way that you can see that kind of bluesy touch that he has. little sharp. Okay, this will have to do for now. Um, but I'll just play a little bit. Okay. And maybe notice it people watching but i'll also point it out so i'll start from over here bit of it and I included that uh-huh. that fun little <laughs> so tasty and awesome uh to provide with this you know really beautiful haunting tune yeah
3: do you uh, do you ever do 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 you kind of learn the tune and, and generally play it the same way every time or do you or do you um improvise different aspects part of of your playing
2: yeah, um, I'd say that
1: I usually hold to a kind of similar way to most of what I'm playing, but some songs, that is not true at all. Um, for example, a tune I play, Wedding Dress. Um, there's a lot of improvisation improvisation towards the end of the song and just, like, I play it entirely different every time. But, um, yeah, a lot of times, you know, that's playing songs and not really concentrating on playing it exactly the way you played it yesterday uh is what allows for like innovation and kind of adaptions and weird changes that you didn't mean to happen and your finger slips and something weird happens um yeah so i yeah i I don't concentrate on that but i would say in most cases it's pretty similar but you know, there are little variations that come in for different parts of the song, which is very common in all-time music and fiddle tunes. You know, you hear little variations that the fiddler might do. Um, that's, yeah, that's my comparison there. Uh, but yeah, yeah.
3: Is there another banjo there um, I remember, that you have on hand that you want to play a tune on?
1: Sure. See if it will get in tune this time. <music> with friction pegs here. Um, Yeah. Okay, so... uh, I can tell a little bit about this banjo. Uh, This... talk about it for a little bit uh this is uh yeah. my great 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 grandfather's banjo um it's a ludscum banjo and it's made in 1888 and um if anybody knows that that name ludscum i don't i've never heard of it but uh he was from east Ten- east nashville um yeah he lived during the time of the big fire that happened there and this banjo was the only thing that he saved the fire when it burned down his house no just kidding just kidding um but it is a cool banjo i re- recently acquired it um and yeah my great uncle was like oh i have this old banjo up here i think it was your great 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 grandfather's i was like yes i want it um but yeah that's the story behind it and i'll play a little jenny put the kettle on this is a virgil tune now i was just talking about virgil anderson so this is a yeah.
3: friction pegs.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of slipping going on. I think I got it here. No, it's not working. I, I gotta, I gotta, right. gotta stop at some point.
3: That one, that's fine. But is that a smaller own. scale banjo though? It looked really, it looked a lot shorter than that. It.
1: it probably is. I think it 12. 13, 14, 14, 14. Uh, it's like 21 frets, um, okay. which I guess is a little bit smaller, but not by much. Um, i got my other fretless band, other nylon string banjo over here, which I can... Which is a little bit nicer to get in tune.
3: Before you get into that, yeah. how do you that that fretless banjo? How do you kind of approach playing the fretless versus a fretted, um, a fretted instrument?
1: Yeah, well, um, I think that a lot of times um, I'll play a tune on my fretted banjo and then my regular banjo, and then I'll play it on the fretless, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, this sounds way better!" And it happens with every tune I play. I'm like this sounds way better because it does it's it's such a cool instrument and has such a a great um uh rounded sound that i really enjoy uh a lot of times you know songs that really go up the neck are not the best for the fretless because it's really hard to keep track of where you are um without the mm-hmm. frets um so i tend to stay seventh fret uh, and down that's about as far as i go um What can I play here? i play a little Poor Black Sheep, I think. Um, this is a tune, yeah, yeah, okay. I guess yeah. I'll, I can play Tina? Okay.
3: Yeah, it sounds great.
1: I'll, I'll do, um, this a little Poor Black Sheep, which I got from Frazier and Patterson a great uh, fiddle-banjo duo. Um, And you can find some of their music off the John Work Recording Black Artists album. And I believe that you can find that wherever you get your music. Uh, And it's actually, I don't know if I should say this, but it is on Spotify, but you should also buy the album. Um, So anyways, yeah, this is from Fraser and Patterson. Uh, They're a band of fiddle duo, like I'm saying, and but something is crazy about it. Is you'll hear on these recordings, they sound unbelievable and amazing. But they had actually never met each other before they made the recordings, which is something kind of cool. Um, but yet they sound so uh, so t- so tight. Um, anyways, so I do a little poor black sheep here on the fretless banjo. I, I think it sounds great on here because there's a lot of opportunity for sliding, um, and just a, a lot of for that uh, that low driven rhythm which I think is like something that you, it's really, that's some of the best qualities. Okay, here's a little pull black sheet.
3: So that banjo has such a big, fat, you know, deep sound. Yeah, um, yeah. Sounds fantastic. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
3: who, who, who made that banjo?
1: My dad actually made this. Um, wow. Yeah, he, under the instruction of Pete, Pete,
4: Ross.
1: Pete Ross, Pete Ross. <laughs> uh p ross under the instruction p ross at the camp augusta um uh-huh. this banjo made there it was like a gourd banjo making class but you could also make this um tack head style banjo and this is this is goat right here which i think uh-huh. is a really beautiful pattern i'll bring it up close to the camera yeah so that's super cool i actually brought this to clifftop um right after it was made and it still smelled like goat. And like the dogs would like bark at me like crazy when I was carrying it around.
4: It
1: <laughs> experience. Yeah.
3: Do you also play in a, in a string band setting sometimes, too?
1: Yeah, probably not place? like a full string band, but I, I do play in like duo situations. Um,
3: what are the instrumentation on those usually?
1: Mm, yeah, usually uh, just fiddle, banjo, mostly. But um, okay. yeah, I play with uh, Jackson Lynch, who's a fiddler from and banjo player. He plays all the all the instruments um, in the old time. You know, he's got he's got it: the guitar, the fiddle, the banjo, um, and he plays in the Downhill Strugglers, which is a um, local band. And um, I also play a lot with Stephanie Coleman, who's, she's a fiddler, um, amazing fiddler. And so these, these are both local Brooklyn musicians. Uh, yeah. and it's super awesome to have access to these kind of people and be able to um, play music with such talented musicians. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and how important is, is it, do you think, of playing with other people?
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think it's very, very important. Um, I think that uh, well, before my, my teacher, Shlomo Pesco, passed away, um, well, one of the things he this was that the way I intro that sentence kind of seemed like it was his dying words. But that's not the case. It uh, Just before his death, um, he told my dad how important it is to uh, bring uh, old time musicians or bring me to uh, jams and to uh, give me, uh, time to play with other people. Um, and that is something that has been really beneficial to my playing. Cause you know, one of the biggest parts of old time music and one of the biggest parts of music in general is listening. Right. And that's how you get better yourself. And that's how you learn to play with other people and hear yourself and the other person better. How do you have that conversation with two or more instruments? Um, that's like so, so important. Um, especially in all the time music, but it really in all genres. Um, yeah. What? Sorry. I got, I got a little carried away with, I don't know if I answered the question. What was the question?
3: <laughs> That's where we're, um, asking if you, how important was it to play with other people?
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. So it is very important. That's my conclusion. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you made a great album, Cinnamon Tree, uh, which I've been listening to a lot lately. And um, for anybody that hasn't heard it, definitely take a listen. It's uh, I think it's, you can get on all the regular outlets and can you get it on your website as well?
1: Um, It's actually sold out. Uh, Okay. In LP form, but you can get it uh, digitally, and you can also get a download code that comes with this little download code package. We like to call it, where it's just like you get your download code, and you also get liner notes and everything that's provided with the like full record. Um, so that's a cool thing if you want it, see the. You can get that on your website.
4: So.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you okay. can also can you get it on Jalopy Records? Yeah, yeah, you can also get it from my record label, uh, Jalopy Records, and it's on their Bandcamp page. So Jalopy Records Bandcamp. You can search that up. Um, there's a lot of other great artists that are under that label. So I, I'd recommend you to go there first before coming to my website. Um, but yeah, I actually, oh, okay. Holding that the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to share this with you guys because I actually have a new album coming out uh, this oh, year. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is just a test pressing, which came recently. And it, it won't be blue, but they didn't have the color that... Wait, let me put it in the sun. Whoa. Um, that it will Likeable. be coming out in at the time. <laughs> but uh, it's called... It's called Sidetrack My Engine. Um, and that's a lyric from a song that I do called The Very Damn Gone. Uh, and it was kind of meant to kind of be uh, symbolic of during this... Uh, during this time, during the pandemic... A lot of people had to sidetrack their engines. Uh, That sounded really cheesy when I said it there, but um, yeah, a lot of people were very, especially musicians and artists were very affected by this time because a lot of, you know, a lot of musicians and artists in general rely on the performing arts, right? Performing for people. So um, I did not suffer as much from this, because I it's not my job and I my parents give me food but a lot of people did and I obviously it's I would ra- much rather be playing with real people in front of real people real audiences and be engaging with others obviously as we all would like um but yeah so yeah and this
3: is is it are you are it. playing solo on it or are there other musicians on it
1: yeah, I'm actually playing solo on one side. No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay. No, it's not. It is not divided by side. But I'm playing some solo stuff on there. And I'm also playing with two other musicians. Um, Jackson Lentz, who I mentioned earlier. He's a fiddler. And also Drawn Blind Boy Paxton, who oh, wow. maybe you've heard of Drawn probably. Um, have you? Yeah? He's a yeah, great uh, banjo player. Definitely. And uh, Bones... he. Plays amazingly on all the instruments. Um, it was so cool to have him be a part of this record. It was really exciting. He plays some bones on some tracks, plays some band. Uh, no, just bones. Yeah, just bones. So that's super cool. Um, but yeah, anyways, I'm really excited about this. Uh, and it's actually a 10-inch record, which is why it's so little. Um, so that's another cool thing.
3: <laughs> and when can we expect to see this come out?
1: Um, probably late September, I would say. Okay. So everybody
3: keep checking back, you know, they'll find it. The best place to find it would be on your website or your social channels.
1: That would be the best. Yeah. And also uh, it's going to be released under Jalopy Records. So, so yes, that's where you could also find it with, um, with them. Um, yeah, if, yeah, if I can finish the cover art by, this week, then it will be out in end of September. But if I don't reach that deadline, I don't know what's going to happen. But are I, you I making the art?
4: Or are you yeah? i doing the cover art. For,
1: yeah, yeah, I did it for Cinnamon Tree, and I'm doing something um, for this too. Yeah.
4: Oh,
3: that's mm-hmm. cool. That's fantastic. Well, Jamie, um, I want to bring Jamie in here. Do we have any questions on the on the chat? He's been monitoring the, the chat lines.
0: Uh, I think you covered. Uh, a good amount of them on um, um, tuning was, was the uh, tuning and technique were the two big ones today. Um, so I think you covered a lot of them. There, unless there's anything else, Nora, that you uh, kind of would, would, would talk about technique-wise uh, traditionally um, that we, maybe you haven't covered already. Um, I think just people generally just curious about the different kinds of techniques and different approaches you take to the to, the, to the plans you're playing.
1: Yeah, I could. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll show something really quickly that I think is kind of cool. Um, I was mentioning earlier the style, uh, the two finger style with a thumb lead, two finger style, but there's also index lead, two finger style, which I kind of like to show the difference between them because it's similar but also different and it's hard to. Okay. Okay, so there's the regular thumb lead style which is going to be you're going to like the the main roll that you get from this which is you know much like a three-finger roll you, it's like a that would be... I, I don't really know much about it, but you get the idea. When I say roll, that's what I mean. Um, mm. And so the, the thumb lead roll would sound like this. Could sound like that. Right? And then a index lead roll would sound like this. So that means... For index lead, it just means that the index finger is leading the melody. And I can show you just a quick example of that because it's a little bit less common than thumb lead. Um, And what it allows for is that actually because I mentioned it, but the index finger for thumb lead style is really hanging out on the first string. So it doesn't. One issue is that you really cannot use the first string because your other fingers really taking that space. Um, There are ways to get around it, but it's really not very practical. Um, so, with index lead, you can access the first string. So, this is a little tune called Flower Girls, and I got this from Omer Forrester. Um, it's a pretty common tune, I would say, but uh, this is just a good example of the index lead. So, let me do a little bit of that. Um, lead, that would sound like oh god I can't even do it but um yeah that's that's an example of an index lead song and you can kind of hear the difference in the rhythm rhythms of the rolls this is like for this example it's like kind of backwards um is Index, thumb. Yep.
4: yep. Cool. it's it's so
0: intricate. There's so much nuance to it, isn't there? Like I don't think a yeah. lot of people realize until they get into it that uh, all these very subtle nuances that, that can really affect the way you know the song is played, and quite frankly, like the, the drive or the or the feeling of the song. Um, and people don't really realize what's going on, but it's, when you break it down like that, it's fascinating to watch and and understand. So. Thank you for that insight. That's, 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 that's awesome. Yeah.
4: Cool. cool.
0: It's, what a great session. That was really fun. Um, I don't know, Dave, if you have any other questions or any final kind of thoughts or.
3: No, just this really enjoyed having you on here and, and, and listening to you play and listening to you, your kind of your, your process and everything. Um, yeah. it's been great yeah. and hope to hopefully, you know, when, we'll, when we get back to festivals, uh, um, we can, we'll, we'll meet in person sometime.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, well, that's a great I, question. I really actually, it. have
0: have you been booked for anything this year? Are you, are you, do you have any plans of of, of doing in person shows for the remainder? I know we we're hearing of you know some festivals coming back, uh, kind of post July. Um,
1: yeah, and- um, I'm doing some stuff over the summer. It's still kind of getting figured out, but yeah. um, I'm doing a, the Blue Ox Festival and you Claire, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. Eau Claire. and that's in August. Um, I don't know the exact dates for that, but, uh, you can look that up. Uh, the blue X festival, which I'm really excited to do that. Um, cause it's pretty far from where I am right now. And, um, well I was actually supposed to, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that says also, <laughs> I wasn't supposed to talk about that. Um, yeah. And I, I, what, let's see what else. Um, yeah, like I said, it's all kind of getting figured out right now. Yeah. Uh, things are getting lined up or not lined up and, yeah. but that, that, that is one that I know for sure is happening. And
0: yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, I, I presume as well that everything you're, you're doing musically uh, will be posted up on your, uh, on your site as well. So, uh, and on your social channels, I know Nora Brown music is, um, place to go for everything Nora Brown. I think that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to plug? Any what, what Instagram handles, Facebook? Yeah,
1: yeah, my Instagram is little.nb um and that's where you can really get a lot of good updates on what's what's happening, what's coming up, workshops, shows, new music, awesome. all that. Um and you can also, you know, it's cool to be there cuz you, you know, get a little uh, I don't know early updates on stuff. But um, yeah, yeah. My, my website, you can sign up sign up for my email list and um, you can also message me through my website. If you have questions or if you have lesson requests, I'm not really uh, taking you students right now. Cause I'm just kind of at the end of my school year doing a lot of exams and stuff like that, but I will be um, definitely uh, after the summer. Uh, but yeah, sorry, that's a long way away, but uh, yeah, yeah. You can still reach out um, now. And if you'd like, Absolutely. And yeah,
0: that's awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much. You, you've been a, a, an absolute joy uh, to talk to today and, and, and everyone just, to, you know, supporting you. And, and and I know there was a couple of moments there where you maybe felt a little lost and everyone was commenting how, how well you were doing and you, you did fantastic. So really, really appreciate your time today. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back on, um, you know, maybe when your album's out and we can talk about that. But uh, Cinnamon Tree has been it's been the theme of The Office this week, so we thank you for that, too.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. I really I like talking about stuff like that, stuff like this, you know, um, and yeah, I enjoy explaining banjo stuff to people when they're interested. It's oh, really yeah. uh, feels good to be sharing. And absolutely. yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure that the people watching today were all banjo enthusiasts. At least we hope so. That, great, that's what we do, yeah so.
1: yeah I would, people might be a little disappointed if they weren't interested yeah. in
0: bands. We're, we're not doing a very good job of them so <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much nora you take all care right. of yourself and yeah. uh we'll see you all next week